Welcome to Wise Women Speak with Linda Pritcher and Lana Bostianuti, where we give voice to the wisdom in women. Hello, Linda. Hello, Lana. How are you? I'm I'm great today. Good, yeah. Good. And you? I'm well. I'm well. And today we're in studio. We're actually doing an interview today, and we're going to be interviewing Carolyn Fine Friedman. And Carolyn, welcome. Thank you. Yeah. I'm just going to give the audience sort of a brief overview of who you are and and what we're going to be talking about. So Carolyn is an advocate for environmental health and justice with a master's degree in education from Harvard University. Ooh la la. (laughs) She entered the workforce powered by curiosity about what people actually do at work and committed to helping them find fulfillment in their careers. Early on, she was a director of a nonprofit that helped displaced workers repurpose themselves in the recession of the early 1980s. After an interim parenting period, I love that term, Carolyn repurposed herself again as an advocate for environmental health and justice. Today, she fulfills her mission of advocating for untainted good health for all by working with nonprofits, holding events, speaking out in public, in print, and online about the subject. Carolyn sits on boards of directors of several EH environmental health nonprofits, including Coming Clean Incorporated and the Health and Environment Funders Network. She's also chair of the Fine Fund. It is her deepest conviction that we all deserve to live in a world where we are not unwittingly poisoned by our food, water, transportation, buildings, and the products used in our daily lives. Welcome once again, Carolyn. It's wonderful to have you. Thank you, Lana. Yeah. We're and delighted. That's, yeah, that's quite an introduction. My goodness, you've been busy. <laughs> Just listening to you say that, I think, oh, my God. Isn't it surreal? It doesn't even feel like you. It's sort of like, who is this person that's doing all this? I'd like to meet that person. I know. know. Quite impressive. She she believes a lot of the same things I believe. (laughs) Ah, well, you'd be best friends then. (laughs) Um, So we have a lot to ask you. One One of the first things, the first things that I noticed was you have a master's degree in education from Harvard. Was it your intention originally to be a teacher of some kind? Uh, you know, after college, I got sort of swooped into a group that started a shelter for battered women. Mm. And I I really enjoyed that experience. And my job was as volunteer coordinator. And so I I led these trainings to because the shelter was mostly, I want to say manned, but it was really womaned yeah. by by volunteers. And so it, I sort of developed this training and I, I did the training and I realized that that was my favorite thing about the job. And that led me to the ed school thinking that that's what I would, you know, kind of, uh, build upon in the ed school. And then I got there and I realized, mm, I think the thing that, that really got me was sort of the psychology, human development, you know, who people really are. And that was really what I was attracted to uh, kind of all along through my, my early years. Um, and then, so that, that kind of is what led me to like working with people in their, their jobs and their, their professions. And, but, and maybe I'm going further than what you asked, but I'll, I'll continue. But there was this other thread that was going through my life from the time I was in junior high school. And I, I, I actually recently I traced it back to a very charismatic science teacher in seventh grade who hmm. 
you know, it was the seventies and he was talking about, you know, the sort of not great things that were in hot dogs and why you shouldn't eat potato chips and, you know, just kind of elementary stuff. Wait a minute, potato chips are yeah. not good? What? <laughs> Sorry. You just come to this realization. I just this bought a bag. <laughs> Carry on. It's your business yeah. what you do with that bag after this conversation. Okay. Okay. Um, anyway, he kind of turned me on to the environment and nature and animals mm. and, and that thread kind of lived alongside all these other threads. And so there was kind of like a, a handoff that probably happened when I stayed home with my kids where the, the environmental piece sort of said to me, <clears throat> I'm still here. And, and this is, this is what's really driven me and pulled me since mm. that time. So at, at that point where you were staying home with your children, you had, and I know this was true for me just mm. with one, is having time to think about things in a different way because your life shifts, you are paying attention to another human who you're, you're bringing up. And so the things that concern you shift, I think, usually from the pre-children period. So how did that how, how did that shift for you? What what are what are the things that you put together during that period? And did you notice it was different? Did you notice there was something going on in you that was really different from uh from earlier in life? You know, I a little bit in con, uh, uh, contrarian to your question. Um I think for me It was when I stayed home with my kids that the kid part was wonderful, but the, the, you know, the agitation over who I am and what I should be. And I think that the, really what, what, there was an event that happened that kind of unlocked everything for me. And that was that I had the, op I, I was offered the opportunity to run this charitable fund. And, I, I remember going to a conference after I, you know, I started to look at that and I realized that anytime anybody said the word environment, I got goosebumps. Mm. And so it, it was like, it was kind of dormant, you know, for a long time, but it was still there. It, I think it, the truth is it was always there. It was always the, the main thing in my heart. So I just, what really what happened was I paid attention to it and I got over the fact that I, I earlier, I had felt like I could never be in that world because I wasn't a lawyer or a scientist. Oh, and okay. all of a sudden I yeah. had a way to be in that world. So that's really what happened. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you found... So it's through that period of time that you really kind of awaken to, you listen to this way that was presenting itself to you. Truly. Would that be? Yes. Yeah, okay. exactly. And I, I did, you know, I did sort of hear a voice that came out through those goosebumps yeah. that told me now you could turn in this direction. 
I love that. I love that you actually listened to it because so many of us would have that same goosebumpy feeling, but we would, you know, then get into our heads and convince ourselves, no, you know, as you said, you were thinking, oh, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not really in this field. How could I turn my attention to this? But you listen to those goosebumps and, and you realized, no, this is something that's speaking to me. This is important. And I've got an opportunity here. And you went with that. I think that's brilliant. Well, you know, it's it just interesting to hear you feed that back to me and mm. sort of like it's there, you know, there's stories from our past, but there's the present also. And, and it's making me realize that actually it is kind of extraordinary that I did pay attention to that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. thank you for, for pointing that out to me. Yeah. Cause everything was moving in a different direction and education of, often sets people up because you make a commitment to your education and then Mm -hmm. you feel like, well, now I have to follow through on this. And what does that narrows it down into X number of things that you think you can do. And often people get caught up in that and then a career follows and a whole series of things, life choices tend to stay in that same pattern. But you really listened and you know, yeah. it's funny because I love the stories of people who kind of abandon their education. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, actually, it was an incredible year that I had, and I grew a lot from that year, and I had some amazing professors, and I cherish the memory of that year. Are you referring to the year of your master's? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You. Yeah, I am. Um, so, so it's still with me, yeah. but it's yeah. morphed in, in many ways. Well, I love for a lot of women, I mean, certainly women that I've talked to, and I'm sure Linda and Carolyn, women you've talked to, you know, we we have sometimes this abundance of education, and we think we are going in one direction, but how many of us have found, if we take an interim for parenting, we use those same skills or those that same creativity, that same something that that has been developed or nurtured within us that we thought was going one way and we apply it elsewhere. We apply it to kids or volunteer work or whatever. But for a lot of women, it goes, they don't either recognize it, it goes unnoticed, it goes unacknowledged by other people. And, and so this is where I find a lot of women who do stay at home with their kids for a little bit of time, they do tend to get lost in terms of, well, who am I and how do I want to show up and what difference do I want to make in the world? How can I? You know, I'm, I'm no longer in that stream, uh, of, of achievement. Um, and, and I love that you did a about turn and you realized, no, here's here's the direction I want to go and here's what I can do. What's always what's been calling you for yeah. many years. Right. I know, I I feel very lucky and blessed that I have something that's been calling me. Yeah. And that I I have been able to pay attention to it. And you know, just when you talk about the education, it makes me think that since I had that transition, I I have had so much education in a whole nother realm, Mm -hmm. but that it's, there's no degree there. Right. But I mean, you know, if if you think about how much time you spend getting a a master's, like I definitely have put in that time sort of learning something else and the joy of learning. And, And I think by the way, the joy of learning is 
what I got from my graduate school experience. And that's really what took me to the school of education. It was the joy of learning. So that's an, you know, it does point to, you're right, all these threads that, that still exist, even if you've gone to school and have kind of moved beyond that phase and yeah. you don't know what to do next. So what did you do next? Um, so next I, we, I had this charitable fund and I, I thought about what issue was the most important to me. And I, I realized that, that preserving wilderness, preserving mm. nature in a way that man, it doesn't sort of determine what it should be like was what really attracted me. And so I started meeting people and giving grants to organizations that, that do this work. And I had some wonderful experiences and I, wonderful colleagues, wonderful nonprofits at the time, people who there, at that time there was a, a whole, um, flourishing of science about how to preserve ecosystems. And I just got very jazzed by the idea of preserving, you know, a whole, a whole landscape that, you know, where, where nature is allowed to interact in ways that we haven't interrupted it. And, and that was, it was a wonderful period of my life. And I, I was on boards and I helped someone start an organization that, that, um, did land conservation, sort of uniting the, you know, Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire with the, the land above it in Canada. Really? Wow. So, Yay, Canada. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'll just tell you now that, so I've, I've traveled quite a ways from, from that time, but I recently had this, this other epiphany, and that is what I now really work on toxic chemicals in our mm. bodies and in the planet. And that really was a, a, was a journey that I went on from starting to realize that these chemicals that are, you know, sort of part of the industrial complex are, are actually infiltrating animals and nature and water. And so I, my attention turned to that. But I just realized that in some way I still view what I do with chemicals really as being land conservation, wilderness conservation, mm -hmm. yeah. because it's still trying to keep, you know, to keep the infiltration to to allow us humans to flourish in a way that we're untainted with endocrine disruptors and neurotoxins and yeah that makes so much sense. you know it's yeah. it's so interesting that we're talking about this because my daughter is currently doing a geography class and you know by osmosis i pick up stuff <laughs> That isn't, that's another way to learn. Yeah. It's a totally another, and I'm like, yeah. you know, Ava, I'm really happy that you're doing this because I'm learning so much. And, and as you're saying this, you're, you're realizing that the toxins function as more happier, more satisfied people when we're connected to, you know, sort of the positive forces in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, by, by trying to be on the side of prevention, the, the precautionary principle, I, I'm hoping to have that kind of influence on the world, even though I'm just a tiny little yeah. lady. 
I think that's, I think that's really telling though, because a lot of people would say, I'm just one tiny little lady. What can I do? Yeah. Uh, and I love that quote, like, yeah, you think you're small, you can't do anything, but have you ever been in a room with a mosquito? You know, hey, they can do a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so each of us can do a lot. And I think it's tremendous. And together, yeah. Connecting up together, we can yeah. do even more. It becomes much more powerful wave. Absolutely. I, I, I like your, your talking about, and, and I've been thinking as you've been talking about the integration piece and the, you know, where we turn back and we see the wholeness within us and that to see what's going on within us in the way that we are living our individual lives, not just what we're doing outside in the world, but how we, how we feel about the world, how we, how we view it, how we think about things. So how's that, how has that played out in your life in the last, say, I guess you began this work really in what, the late nineties you were saying. Mm -hmm. So in the last 20 years, how's that played out for you? Uh, good question. Just big question. Yeah. yeah. Little, I, I got, <laughs> I, I got to slice it, it down. Anywhere yeah. okay. you want to go. Okay. Well, the first thing that comes to mind is that just kind of where, where we were before you asked that question and that, you know, this is, these are difficult topics mm-hmm. and I've, for a long time, I've felt, you know, kind of like, like under, like having a weight on my shoulders because, you know, I think about the bananas all the time. I think about the personal care products. I think about the phthalates and the building products. And, you know, you, you could just really yeah. spin out yeah, over these things. Could. And I, not, not that long ago, it came to me that it would not be helpful to the world if I feel depressed about this that I'm not the best, you know, helper from that place. And that I, it's okay for me to be sort of a joyful person and still care about these issues and still be passionate about them. And so I, I try not to lose sleep about them. I try to have fun while I'm working on them. I try to have wonderful colleagues who I have deep relationships with. And so that's, I feel excited and proud to be doing what I do. It goes along with an emotionally robust life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and that's interesting that you're, you are dealing with, um, with an area that could, could provide a lot of um, unhappy thinking about because there's a lot of unresolved issues and there are a lot of people who are being, you know, hurt um, by it. And there's a lot of lack of awareness um, about that topic. And I'm sure sometimes it seems really frustrating. Why aren't people paying attention? Or there's mm-hmm. a lot of resistance because of um, of forces, economic forces and, you know, powerful uh, interests. So how have you managed that? I mean, it sounds like you've surrounded yourself with people of who are like-minded and supportive, but what, what's gone on within you to allow you to sleep at night while you're dealing with 
something like this. I mean, I've I've always been fascinated with people who can um, can deal in, in difficult humanitarian situations where they can manage, mm-hmm. kind of separate out like what the the anguish that they're seeing and the pain and still be able to go about and do their work. I just wonder what your thoughts are there. Uh, my dad is 91. And I was just, you know, he's, he's absolutely fine, but his, you know, his memory is fading. Yeah. But I was just visiting him in Florida and we were walking and talking and he was talking about sleep. And he said to me that he never has trouble sleeping because years and years ago, he made the decision that when he lays down to go to bed at night, he will not think. And and he said he forbade himself to think. And I thought, well, why do you have to be so negative, you know? But um, so... We all, you know, we all think there, there are ways to realize that the negative feeling, sometimes I feel anxious. Sometimes I, um, you know, I have lots of feelings that make doing different things difficult for me, but I can, you know, sometimes when I'm driving or just, you know, sit down in my chair in my office and just sort of go through this with myself and realize that the feelings that I'm having are coming from my thinking in the moment. And that, that just that one thing has helped me enormously, enormously to let go of some of the, the, the drags on my, um, on my happiness and my effectiveness. Mm. So, um, I, I, you know, I want to circle back to sort of the beginning of your career because you, you said that you dealt with abused women. You were in the shelter. Did you have some of this same thinking? Like, it's interesting you had this insight. Like, it's not going to be helpful to me to be, um, weighed down by these thoughts. I won't be as effective. Did you have any of those thoughts back when you were working in the shelter with women? Did you think, did it get you depressed? Did it get you anxious? Did it, how did you deal with it? That is a great question. And I, I would, it, I've, I've been on an emotional journey in my life and I, I didn't have any of those sort of uplifting thoughts at that time. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was a tough time. I learned a lot about the bad things that can happen in the world. I was kind of a sheltered as a kid. Mm-hmm. And although it was, th- that work was also about injustice. And I think I've always had a justice, mm-hmm. you know, sympathy. Mm-hmm. And so that it was a very hard job. And especially because it was an you know, the shelter went on overnight and it was my job to make sure that we had volunteers. So I was training the volunteers and then placing them and, and eventually I just burned out. So Mm. it's really been sort of a little bit of a healing journey. I mean, I still, if you, if you handed me a beeper, a 48 hour beeper, I still couldn't do it because I'm still basically burned out from that job. Mm. So it was it was a great learning experience, but it 
as you point out, it was a starting point. Mm-hmm. And there's been, I've experienced a tremendous evolution since that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and being, being able to reflect on that. I think reflection is really underrated yeah. when we, we take the time, the quiet time to think about where we've been and to see that life is really a continuum and and you're just kind of floating in your in your sea um and and you're navigating it in some way and that that navigation can lead you to all kinds of places but if you have a sense that there's this place you want to go which is your world of you know making a difference in the environment it seems like that's, you know, your navigational tool and that your emotional journey has been side by side with that. Or intertwined. Intertwined, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, like I, have, that. I have to say it makes getting older to be a wonderful thing, yeah, not something to be afraid of. Say say more about that. Yeah. I was just <laughs> I think I think some women are like, wait, whoa, what? <laughs> what it reminds that? me that um I have a friend who I was with last weekend who's 85, mm. and she was saying to me, you know, my hair's falling out and I'm looking old, and and I was just thinking about it this morning that next time I see her, what I want to say to her is, you know, if I get to be, if I am lucky enough to make it to 85, and I am as cool a dudette as you are, <laughs> and I can walk around and still work and have interactions like this. And I have a few wrinkles on my face and my hair is thinning. I'm 85. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. like you should look 85 when you're 85, but it's what's inside. And, and it was, you know, I'm, so I, it's my intention to, to give her that feedback. Yeah, that's great. Well, Lana and I have a a podcast about Mm -hmm. aging, right? Women and aging. Yeah. And who do we highlight in the the one iconic figure? Jane Goodall. You know, it's funny. I was um, I was just talking about her this morning, and and (laughs) she's it's fun. It she's it's related to my journey in a way. Really. So here's what I what I was saying to this person I was talking to. Oh, maybe 10 years ago, I went to a, you know, she got an award and she gave a speech and she stood at the podium. You know, she only wears like a turtleneck and a fleece vest Mm -hmm. or something. And she's talking to 500 people. And at some point, everybody in the audience starts clapping and standing up. And Jane, and this clapping goes on for a long time. Mm -hmm. Jane is standing at the podium just totally being so calm and just scanning the audience. Her, her head goes left and right, sort of flowing and just taking it in. And there's this beautiful sort of symbiosis between her and the audience. And what, what I think what what is so beautiful about that is that there's no ego in her. It's just, you know, we are we're basically doing the same thing. We care about the same thing and we're all of our efforts are about making the world a better place. Yeah. I'm not great. You're not great. We're just the people who are doing it. And that that's that's really a role model for me. Mm. You know, sort of putting aside the personal 
ego and the, the, the judgmentalness and the need to be the best and the, the pressure and just being yourself and doing the thing that is easy for me to do because it's what I, my natural inclination is. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's how you can look the way she looks at 85 or oh 86. God. That yeah. beautiful hair. Yeah. Just kind of glowing from inside yeah. because of the way she's lived her life. And I, Oh, wait, I'm sorry. To, go but, ahead. Um, but I should have told you if I had known you were going to bring her up. When I was, we didn't know. Right? <laughs> when I was, you know, from twelve to fifteen, Jane Goodall was my hero. Oh I my goodness! I read her books. Oh. I wrote to her. I wanted yeah. to go to Africa. I wanted to be her. Yeah, and what better example than Jane? But don't you find, like, yeah. when you were in that room with all those people who are clapping, but it's almost like you get out of your set, yourself, your head. You're no longer in your head. You're just this present awareness connected to these other present awarenesses. And that is so powerful. That is a force to be reckoned with. ease to life, right? Right. There's like an electricity. Yes. A a force that's going through and connecting all of us in in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. It's special to be able to have an elevated experience like that. Yeah. It can feed you on those days when you're in your head so much and you think you're isolated, you think you're separate from everything else. You think you're, you're just little, so you can't do anything. Those, those kinds of experiences feeds you and points you to a truth, like a deeper truth that you can then rely on and move you forward. So we're going to be looking forward to you speaking out in the world much more. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I so admire what you're doing in the I world. Do too. And I yeah. admire especially that you have listened to that smaller voice within you to guide you along as you go on your journey. Thank and you. and yeah. you're paying it forward. Like yeah. just now. Like I got goosebumps. Hello. Yeah. Welcome. I know. Okay, so your job is to pay the goosebumps forward. Yeah. 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 I think you're doing that. Yeah. We're trying. Yeah. We're trying. Yeah. Yes. That's, and that's all we can do. Just show right. up and do something. Show, yeah. Do it again. Yeah. Just do Absolutely. it again. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Carolyn. Yeah. Thank You're you so for welcome. being This was really with wonderful. Oh, yes. It's our yeah. pleasure. Better than you thought, right? Way better than I thought. <laughs> and, and bringing new ideas and new thoughts yeah. to yeah. me. Exactly. Wonderful. Yeah. Good. That's... Well, this has been Wise Wiz- yes. Women Speak. Yes. We'll it see has. you next time, Linda. Yes. Bye, Lana. Bye for now. Bye-bye. See you soon. You've been listening to Wise Women Speak. If you'd like to hear more, please go to wisewomenspeakpodcast.com or find us on iTunes.